0: And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mine, a podcast about maternal mental health from conception to pregnancy and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. We discuss very real struggles that can sometimes be hard to hear, but these are stories that need to be told so that moms and families can know that healing is possible. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional. Thank you for being with us today. This episode touches on topics that may be sensitive for some listeners. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In this episode, we're talking with Courtney Novak about her personal experience and journey through postpartum mental health struggles. Her story and experiences like hers are so important for us to hear and understand. We need to know that these complications are very real and they happen to very real people. Also that healing is possible and there's help available for moms who are struggling. And Courtney will share with us her experience and how she is now helping moms through her own podcast and community support group. Courtney had postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and postpartum OCD after the birth of her daughter, Pippa, in 2013. As part of her recovery, she started writing a memoir, Adventures with Postpartum Depression, that would be published in early 2017. She wanted to share more than her own story, though, so she started a weekly podcast called Adventures with Postpartum Depression. She also runs a weekly peer-to-peer support group for moms who have had a maternal mood disorder thank you so much for being here, Courtney. I'm really glad to have you here.
1: Thanks for having me, Dr. Kat.
0: Yeah, no problem. You can call me Kat. So like I was saying in your intro, I mean, you've been through quite a bit and you're out of it and now helping other moms, but I think it would be really good if you feel uh, whatever you feel comfortable with saying and wherever you want to start to tell us what happened for you and how did you come to this?
1: Yeah, well, I had postpartum depression, anxiety, and O C D in two thousand thirteen after my daughter was born. She was my first. I had a pretty tough pregnancy. Like I think it was as tough as it could be without me having to be like hospitalized and Hippa mm-hmm. was always totally healthy and fine, but I was nauseous until like, you know, the last month and had like back pains and it was just sort of a all around miserable experience. And when she was born let's see she had jaundice and Mm. I immediately blamed myself like Mm. the doctor the pediatrician said something about well your milk hasn't come in so she we need to supplement with formula to help her you know get the bilirubin. so I just immediately blamed myself like Mm. for the fact that my milk hadn't come in and really equated breastfeeding with being a good mom and had taken I think it's great that people are advocating for breastfeeding and, you know, moms should be allowed to breastfeed wherever they want, but it's sort of gone to a farther place, at least out like here in Pasadena, where Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it's very extreme. Like you, breast milk is liquid gold and your IQ is going to be higher and they'll be healthier. And, you know, since then I've done research and found like most of that's kind of just speculation. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and if the mom is not well, the baby's not well. But yeah. at the time, I really felt just awful, like a failure.
0: Yeah.
1: So it was sort of like the frog in the water where if you, you know, start to dial up the heat, yeah, just, doesn't notice. And sort of my anxiety did that. And I assume this is how all moms feel. Just like the thought of doing a load of laundry was really overwhelming. Yeah. I stuff like I got really fixated on finding like the best sling and like okay if I find the best sling life as a mom will get easy and I'll be able to leave the house and I really struggled to get out of the house and I I knew I'm like I have to get out there and I have to be able to go to the mall and see friends. But I just like going to Target four minutes from my house was like a lunar expedition.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, I thought if I find the right nursing wardrobe, the right sling, the right stroller, the right whatever. And, you know, it just kept getting worse and worse in terms of being harder and harder to get out of the house. Then I had insomnia that started at three months postpartum Hmm. and that lasted for five weeks and I really sunk into despair and felt like I'm broken, but I don't have a right to feel bad about it because I got a beautiful baby in exchange. Mm. A lot of moms who have struggled with fertility. And I felt like I don't have a right to any of these negative feelings because at least I have my baby.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the breastfeeding, the fertility, and I had a lot of sensory overload. Like, I took Pippa to a mommy and me class, and I just felt like the teacher was blowing bubbles and they were like fireworks in my face. Oh, no. And then I had, you know, dark thoughts and thought about what I wanted was for the doctors to put me in a coma until they could figure out a way to fix me. And I didn't think they ever would be able to fix me,
3: Mm. but that
1: was okay. But then I started having thoughts of hurting Pippa. I'd be, she would be screaming and it always happened like around noon. Mm -hmm. I'd be walking loops around our house to calm her. And then I would just have a vision of throwing her as hard as I could on the floor. Yeah. I'd see her brain smashing out and I'd push the thought away as quickly as possible. But I just felt like, Oh my gosh, who am I? that I'm having these thoughts. Right. And I finally, you know, I was Googling a lot trying to figure out what was going on, but I'd see hits for postpartum depression and I just had it in my mind. I'm not the sort of person who gets postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. I think this is kind of a, a fake illness that divas get because they miss all the attention of pregnancy or they just, they're lazy and they don't want to take care of their baby. Uh-huh. So I would never look at those, those Google hits. And yeah. I have a history of being a little bit of a hypochondriac.
2: Mm-hmm. It
1: was, I went into pregnancy as a anxious, but highly functional, anxious person. huh. Yeah. know i went to an ivy league college and being anxious was actually really good because it kept me in the library studying and then a lawyer and being anxious was good because i always got my work done you know well ahead of time right but then suddenly throw a baby in and you know hormones and i feel like my hormones i've never they don't do great when there's like a big interruption yeah i can't take the birth control pill i Mm took a year and a half of my life and was just crazy from it. It made you feel terrible. Yeah, like yeah. lots of crying, jumping out of my skin. Yeah. Really edgy, and really bad periods too. And yeah. I had this old school elderly obstetrician and when I told him my periods are worse on the pill, he's like, they shouldn't be. I'm like ah. I'm doing something wrong. I'm like, do you think I'm willing this extra blood out of my body? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> right, I, that is the worst reaction from providers it's just like oh well either I've never heard of that before or like you're the only person
1: yeah you're like, making this you stuff should, in your head
0: yeah you should be fine
1: yeah I actually had to take plan b once with my husband but back when we were dating and I was for a whole week just like didn't feel like myself felt wrong felt like the world was ending mm-hmm. and then I snapped out of it so in hindsight I can see like, oh, I'm someone kind of sensitive to hormonal changes. Right, right. So yeah, four months postpartum, I finally went to see my obstetrician after one of my good friends. I'd emailed college friends earlier and said, things are tough, but I was afraid to say how tough. Mm-hmm. And everyone responds with, "Oh yeah, having a newborn, it's like boot camp. It's so difficult. And I was afraid to like, right. on back with like, like, yeah, but I see everyone on Instagram leaving the house and I can't like okay. on. At this point,
0: did anybody around you sense anything? Was it noticeable what was going on for you?
1: My parents say they sensed something and they didn't know how to approach me. Mm-hmm. And I was very protective of Pippa and very just defensive. Like they would bring up breastfeeding and oh, yeah. they, I would just lash out like I am breastfeeding until mm-hmm. she's one years old and then right. she will self wean and like I had this boxes from Amazon. I kept buying things, hoping they'd be the solution. Right. And then when they weren't, I'd put the box in the living room and it was like two and a half feet high. And mm. my parents went out of town for a month. So like the third month postpartum, they were gone. And when they came back, they saw that and they're like, they just knew like something's wrong. But they didn't know how to bring it up with my husband and right.
0: me. Well, I think that's something I think is really important to point out because so many moms, this is such an internal experience that it's like, it feels so loud and so big in your head and it's so confusing, but sometimes people just don't see anything different on the outside or if they do, they're like, oh, she just had a baby, you know, and dismiss it totally.
1: Yeah. Like, oh, she's a little sleep deprived. She'll be fine. Right. And people kept telling me like, there was a breastfeeding support group, and they said, Oh, at the six week mark, it gets easier. And then they were like, Oh, just kidding, really, at the three month mark. <laughs> and, and if you want to find answers to things, the internet will give them. Yeah. So I ran searches, will it get easier at four months? And of course, I'd find posts that say, Life gets easier at four months. So I kept just trying to hang on. And yeah. probably the insomnia was. I'd have like two or three really bad nights of just like three hours, mm. and I'd get like five and a half or six hours, and I would convince myself, "Oh, oh, don't call your doctor. You're coming out of the woods." And uh. my daughter's pediatrician told me to quit caffeine because that might be making jittery. Mm. So then I quit caffeine the same day the insomnia started. Oh boy. Must have been just a horrible coincidence, but I. Just became convinced, like, I'm in caffeine withdrawal. I brought this upon myself by having caffeine. I just have to ride this out. Like, what am I supposed to tell my obstetrician that? This podcast
0: is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go. And that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert Uliana Ortube. And she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs. What they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood
4: Explains. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids, because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. You know, it's just like everywhere you turn, there's guilt.
1: Yeah, everywhere there was guilt, anxiety. The anxiety became, in like the fourth month, very like a physical feeling of fear, like like I'm being stalked by a serial killer and vampires at all times. And on like, it was on a Monday that my parents came to visit. They lived on the other side. They lived over on the West side, like 45 minutes away. And they came to visit with my sister and they visited for a while. And then we're going over to this art museum. And I had been planning for months to go because it seemed like perfect outing, but I felt too overwhelmed. So I said, Mm -hmm. And as soon as they left, I was just crying and I was standing on the front porch, just with physical fear, sobbing, called them to come back, called my husband to come home. And I'd been telling them, my parents and my husband, a few times, like, I'm scared. And they'd always ask, of what? And I'd say, I don't know. know. And they'd tell me, then you have nothing to be scared of. Mm. But it felt like this like an extra limb had been like welded to me right. and I didn't know how to like amputate it. I'm like, it stuck to me. I don't know how to get rid right. of this anxiety.
0: So then if I may like note to providers and family members, if you hear a mom saying these things, like they're scared, they don't know what's going on, ask more questions or, you know, that's one of the signs. Like if there's so few things that you are able to express and it's so hard to even put into words what you're feeling when you're feeling like you've just described that when it does come out, when somebody finally is able to say something, it's really important to pay attention.
1: Yes. And I did finally on that day where I was crying on the porch, my parents suggested we come stay with them. Yeah. So we did. And I put a lot of pressure on myself though. Like, Oh, my husband's been displaced. He has a farther commute to work. I need to be better. Like right now.
0: Yeah.
1: I emailed friends and told them, about the anxiety and insomnia and I said, I think maybe I have postpartum depression. And one of my friends who was the friend who was all, you know, she's like the sort of person who could sit in a house that's on fire and finish a drink. (laughs) okay. So I tell her and I'm expecting her to like email back and be like, you're just, you're overreacting. Don't worry, don't be a hypochondriac. And she wrote back and said, oh Courtney, I think you have postpartum depression. Go see a doctor. And if your doctor won't help, go see another and another until you get help. Oh, great. And that was just like, I have another person say, you have postpartum depression. I suddenly, that, I was able to pick up the phone, make an appointment with my obstetrician. And I went and I told, you know, her everything. And I even told her about the dark thoughts. So she asked me to self-admit to the hospital, Mm -hmm. psychiatric wing. So I did that and stayed there for four nights. How far along um, postpartum were you at that point? I was just over four months at that point.
3: Okay, mm-hmm.
1: and I had spent the past few nights at my parents'. So this was a Thursday, and you know, like I guess a note for providers: it was. I got first. I got put in this wing with people who I guess pose a danger to themselves, mm. and there were people who were like schizophrenic and. Like I didn't major in psychology. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And I didn't know how to interact. And I had a roommate and I was very scared. And the nurses there, I got a pump, but they made me pump in my room in front of my roommate.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. And then I told my psychiatrist after my first night there, like, I feel like I don't know how to interact with these patients. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, and he truly just didn't know. And I'm like, well, you have all your medical degrees and you do this every day. Of course you know how to interact. But I really didn't know what I was supposed to be like how to exist there and was horribly anxious. And you know, I then got bumped down to like a a ward with just a few people and it was just for depression. And you know, I think like they put me in that first ward because I said I'd had thoughts of hurting myself, but really I wasn't like planning my suicide. I didn't like the thoughts of hurting myself. It's just had these thoughts. And my doctor never explained to me like, well, that's the chemicals in your brain giving you these thoughts. That's not you.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. I wish he had sort of, he never explained. He told me you have postpartum depression. And I told him, well, I'm very anxious. He's like, no, you're depressed. Ah. And I was, and he gave me Zoloft and Remeron and the Zoloft kicked in after a couple of days. And then I could see I was depressed. But then I told him, He's like, oh, that's really convenient because you want me to discharge you. Now you're saying you're depressed. So, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm writing, I'm well, well. almost done with my book about having postpartum depression. And I've had to leave out the stuff with my psychiatrist. And I'm just going to write a second book because I eventually broke up with him when I got pregnant with my son, Julian. Mm-hmm. There was just so much, like, he did really good things for me. He gave me the Zoloft. But from the beginning, he was very bad cop, good cop, mind games, saying I can't believe you when I'm saying. And I was in my most vulnerable state. And it was terrible. Oh, yeah. I mean, at some point, I started a support group that I can talk about more later, but he tried to hijack it. And he wanted me to run it through his office. And he was going to show up for a few minutes at the beginning. And then he could charge the insurance companies. I was like, but I want to do something for free and I want to be peer to peer. But he bullied me into wanting to do it at his office, (sighs) always implying that my mental health was at stake. It was just... That's, yeah, that deserves a whole separate book. Yes, it really does. And it really, he also, when he found out I was writing a book, was like, I want you to name me. I've had people, patients write books about me, you know, with me, but they don't name me. And it sort of like robbed me of my inability to write about, what he was doing to me yeah it wasn't until i broke up with him that i was able to be like okay there's all these other layers to my story right wow yes yeah, so the hospital four nights and then discharged against my doctor's great reluctance but i really felt at that point like i hadn't seen my daughter in four days and they didn't allow visitors you know i think they would have but Nathan, my husband, was staying with my parents, so that was, like, at least 45 minutes away. Oh, uh-huh. And I couldn't deal with the heartbreak of saying goodbye to her again and again. Oh,
0: uh, yeah.
1: I mean, like, they took my iPhone away, which had all my photos of her on it. And, you know, it was like, couldn't they have, like, just kept it in a locker and let me right. look at it every now and then? Yeah. It was a very, like, dehumanizing experience.
0: Wow. There are a lot of reasons why you telling your story is important, but, you know, hopefully there are a mom who's listening and is having these experiences with their provider or a provider who's listening and, you know, is realizing that they don't know enough and go get some more training. These stories highlight where our system is broken and where we all need to be more compassionate and understanding and don't, I mean, how can you just deny somebody their feelings like you're telling them you're, you know, what you were feeling. And they're like, disagreeing with you. Yeah. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And then I asked him after, you know, at an early appointment, like, I'd like to understand more what's going on. Mm-hmm. And He Xeroxed something from like a clinical journal that was in all of this medical jargon. And, you know, I couldn't understand it, but luckily I went and found, uh, I'm going to butcher her name, Dr. Shoshana Bennett's book. Um yeah. called Depression for Dummies. Yeah. And that book was just, it did everything for me that my psychiatrist should have, but didn't Mm -hmm. explain everything. And it gave all these great wellness tips. I always recommend that book to any moms that come to me, like just get it.
0: Yeah, good for you. You know, I like to assume that providers are doing their best and that they are trying to do what they think is in the best interest of their patients. And then sometimes also, I think it's useful for them to admit that they don't know enough or that if they don't know the answer that they're willing to go in and get more resources and you know I mean how how beneficial would it have been for you so far along your path so far from what we know of your story to have somebody who knew what was going on
1: yeah and who took the time who wasn't afraid to be like these are the symptoms and you know just information yeah yeah knowledge is power right
0: so, so, you came out of the hospital and then you found a therapist?
1: Yeah, I had a cognitive behavioral therapist, a psychologist, and I had developed a lot of rituals during the anxiety and depression. and you know, my psychiatrist never came out and diagnosed me with OCD or postpartum anxiety. but like I know just from reading that that's what I had uh-huh. So I had stuff like unlocking and relocking the front and back doors mm-hmm. like twenty times in a row. And then I'd do it again, you know, in the middle of the night, checking Pippa's breathing, checking the burners on the stove, checking under the beds. Mm -hmm. I mean, I got so bad. I was, you know, I wasn't just checking the closets. I was looking inside like the washing machine to make sure someone wasn't hiding in there. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And my psychologist, you know, worked me through unraveling all those rituals. And it ended up being great because he got me to the place I was before I had Pippa. And then he's like, Do you want to get better? And I was like, Yeah. And we, you know, kept working for a few more months. And I'm now like really a great master of anxiety. So mm-hmm. it's the lemonade out of the lemons. Well,
5: hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.
3: If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.
0: All right. So how long did that process take from the time you started to after the hospital to where you felt like you were feeling better or feeling more like yourself?
1: So I started in August and I ended the, the therapy in February. And before that, I felt a lot better. So it was like a whole month or two of me just kind of coming in and reporting how great I was doing and all the things I had done for myself that week. And then finally realizing like, okay, I really don't need to come in just to get high fives.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. I don't know how it feels to you, but like it sounds relatively short.
1: Yeah. And it was, but it was sort of like, I kept getting better every month. And then I definitely would like kind of regress a little or have bad days and worry like, oh, is, am I not even fully better? Yeah, I mean, I got better really quickly, but then every month after was like, "Wow, I'm even better."
3: Mm, and okay. I
1: think it's also just part of becoming a mom and getting more confident and becoming more, you know, immune to other people's judgment.
0: Ah, wow. Yeah. So you gained some really valuable skills. Then the the stuff you learned in therapy, just coping stuff, coping with your anxiety, but also. This really—it happens for all a lot of moms, maybe all moms—with this worry about judgment and the pressure that we put on ourselves. So you—you you had a a nice mix of all of that that was really, really impacting you.
1: Yes, and you know, I'm actually grateful I had the whole adventure. <laughs> I just learned so much about what makes me tick and what makes me, you know, my best version of myself. So you know, we don't have time to like go into my whole life, but I think, you know, i spent most of my life being anxious and now I'm not. And it's just, it's sort of like, you know, being Dorothy and stepping out and, pause and being like, oh, this is so much better.
0: That's so fantastic. I'm so happy for you. Gosh, that, you know, you are feeling better than you did before pregnancy and before postpartum. Thank you. And, I, and that's like, I think that can be like, you know, a silver lining for the moms who are listening, who are struggling and having a hard time and finding the right type of support. You really can feel better than before because you're describing that there was some stuff going on already that contributed to how you were feeling postpartum. Plus there's like biology and, yeah, you know, all that stuff, brain stuff and hormonal stuff. And it sounds like you had a really, really intense sleep deprivation, that was contributing to stuff towards the end there.
1: Oh yeah. The anxiety, just being in bed. Yeah.
0: And and you've recovered.
1: And I recovered full recovery and I had my second baby, Julian, and he's ten and a half months old now. And uh-huh. I got a new psychiatrist and I got we sort of set up a plan and she was really involved with, well, what do you want to do? And then she'd give me the options and we'd talk it through. And my first psychiatrist just never asked for my input about how I was doing or how I wanted my treatment to go. So it was very empowering. And she would remember, I first saw her when I was pregnant, and she didn't want to see me again for three months. And I had seen my first psychiatrist every month, which yeah. made me feel like there's something wrong with me. Like I need constant monitoring. Uh-huh. And this other psychiatrist was like, no, you're doing great. Like, let's not rock the boat and we'll keep things the same. But you know, calling me to. And we set up a plan and I made a self-care checklist with all the things I needed to be doing. So I could just, even when I'm brain dead, just realize, oh yeah, go outside and get fresh air and walk around the block. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote a list of warning signs and red flags for my husband and parents. And, you know, we decided, me and my psychiatrist, that I would just start Zoloft again right away. And I did Mm -hmm. a few days postpartum. And then and I did great. And then at the three-month mark, which is when the insomnia started with Pippa, the insomnia kind of clicked back on. And at first I was like, and I was more anxious. I was like, all right, well, let's just see what happens. Let's just ride it out. And after like two days, I was like, wait a second. I've seen this movie. Oh, <laughs> I called yeah. my psychiatrist and she bumped up my Zoloft and put me, I was off the Remeron when I was pregnant and put mm-hmm. me back on that. And like, like a light switch, I was just, I was doing great. And so... I'm still doing all that and I'm in remission and we're going to start weaning me like in the new year after the holidays.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you it, like, it sounds like you've become an advocate too. I mean, there's nothing quite like a really difficult postpartum depression and anxiety to after you heal from it to put you into action. And that sounds like what you've done.
1: Oh yeah. It's become, I feel like I was always missing a calling and yeah. my calling now and It just keeps getting better and better.
0: I feel you on that one. (laughs) I can totally identify with that too. So there's a couple of things I want to touch on too, is that out of your pain and what you've been through, you are an advocate. And now you've started a podcast called Adventures with Postpartum Depression. You have a book that's coming out with the same name and you have a support group in your area. And these are just like so amazing.
1: They feel so easy now that I'm doing them. And they were so overwhelming before I started. And now it's like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing.
0: Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And it's needed. All of the stuff you're doing is needed. Like we were kind of chatting beforehand. It takes all voices from wherever, whatever your platform is, you know, speak. And you are totally doing that.
1: Yeah, I started first with the book and Mm -hmm. that was very cathartic. I recommend writing to anyone struggling Yeah. depression or just even motherhood like journaling is just such a great way to touch base with yourself and go to self-publish you know I just hired an editor because I don't want to deal with the publishers and that takes a couple years I just want to get my story out there and able to control the price and give it you know for free to people who need it for free I don't need a publisher
0: right
1: controlling that and that inspired me to create the support group because I really started my healing when I was able to start telling moms like I took this mommy class in Pasadena and when I first told all the moms when I was like nine months postpartum it just like one of the moms afterwards was like wow you made yourself so vulnerable and I realized I was like no I was vulnerable before because i was
2: worried
1: about what everyone was thinking and once I said it I realized I was like it did not matter and I was invulnerable to what everyone thought
0: that's amazing I'm like happy dancing clapping over here for you (laughs) that's so cool
1: And that's why I started a support group just to create for moms to talk. And I actually, it's a long story, but my first psychiatrist tried to hijack it. And so I ended up not doing it for a while because I needed to do my own healing from an abusive relationship. And I went into therapy with a new, with a female new therapist who I adore. So I restarted it a few months ago. And at first, you know, not many people were coming and I felt like, Gosh, I want to help more people, and I know people just can't get out of the house sometimes. Like when you're depressed, it's hard enough with a newborn, and I just felt like I had to do a podcast. And you know, the universe is funny how we just both started like right around the same time, right? Practically neighbors, and it was like, yeah, we need this. We need these stories out there. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I think we started within a week of each other, our podcast. And you have a group, and I have a group out here, and we both participated in the climb out of darkness with postpartum progress there's a lot of parallels here
1: yeah and i'm going to the warrior mom conference in october no
0: way cool that should be awesome
3: yes wow. that's so exactly. be amazing
0: yeah and that's a great organization did you use them that postpartum progress as part of your support or what organizations did you lean on
1: you know i didn't find any organizations until after i found postpartum progress when I was a little over a year postpartum, because I wanted, I just felt this urge to help and spread the word. I didn't know how, and I thought, well, there must be a 5k or something. And I finally found the climb out of darkness and I did a solo climb. And then I joined the LA climbs and that's how I found postpartum progress. And I didn't really get as involved with postpartum progress until after I had Julian, I had a Mm -hmm. couple of months postpartum where I kind of felt like, I need to just be me and I can't be feeding off anyone else's issues. Yeah. And then I just sort of emerged from those, you know, first three months. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. And Mm -hmm. I signed up for the conference and I got onto all these Facebook groups. And now I feel, you know, it's just better than ever being like linked into that community. Yeah. It's pretty powerful stuff.
0: Oh, Um, awesome. Okay. Thank you. I have so much to share, and you are sharing it through your podcast and your book that's coming up. Please do let me know when that's out, and I will help spread the word about that. And your support group is in Pasadena.
1: Yes, it's technically San Marino, but basically okay. Pasadena at the family room on Thursdays, from like we say two to three, but we're often there like three thirty or four.
0: Oh, it's one of those.
1: <laughs> it's free, and you come whenever you want. And if you don't come for three months, and then you come back you know, no judgment. That's awesome.
0: So for you guys who are listening, you can find Courtney on Instagram and at Courtney Novak and on Facebook. Also, you have PPD Adventure. Is that right? PPD Adventures. Awesome. PPD Adventures on Facebook. So whoever's listening, and if you want to be in contact with Courtney, you can find her there. And I just really appreciate you, Courtney, for doing the work that you're doing and sharing your story and I really firmly believe that in order for other people to see, we have to be seen. And you are showing up so that other moms can know that they're going to be okay too. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for being with us today.
1: Thanks for having
0: me. By joining us today and listening, you're a part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this free podcast so that Mom and Mind can be found by moms, families, and providers who will benefit from hearing our talks. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com, where you will also find links and information from today's episode. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community.